Hello, and welcome to the Johnson Street Podcast. My name is Brian Elliott. Today you're going to hear a recording from a class that I taught during our 2020 REACH conference here at Johnson Street. The class was titled, When the Rabbi Says, Come. Come, follow me. Is the disciple-making mission of Jesus and his followers as clear, compelling, and effective today as it was 2,000 years ago? What has Jesus called us to do, and how are we doing it? So, that's the topic for today's podcast. Let's jump right in. Um, so, <clears throat> looking at your hand out there, um, it says discipleship begins with belief, but that is only the beginning. A disciple obeys the rabbi's teaching. A Christian disciple not only believes Jesus is the Messiah, but also passionately devoted to doing what the rabbi or Jesus commands. So what was your reaction to the question, are you a disciple? When I did this in the auditorium uh, two weeks ago, a couple of the elderly women that are in there said, well, I guess we're not. <laughs> um, do what? Well, you know, I mean, when you think of it in that, those terms, it, it causes you to kind of stop and think. Is, is it, uh, am, I, am I really, a, am I truly a disciple, I guess? And I, um, I don't want to, I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip, but, you know, it does cause us to question, you know, how, yeah. So what came to mind, which I think maybe we can relate to as just mere mortals, you know, who, who didn't live during that time, is like uh, gymnasts who end up in the Olympics. Um, they, their families move so that they can train with the teacher okay. who's going to prepare them to be the best. Um, I was thinking from, from my karate experience, that a teacher would select a student, there's actually a name for it, I can't think of the word, um, who would live in their house and learn from them. And that student started out, and I tease my students all the time, you know, back in the day, you'd have to clean the toilet for a while before I'd let you even into the dojo. You know, so, so they would start in a, in a place of, you know, I just want to be around this teacher, and then, then they would show that they were interested enough, and then the teacher would say, you know, come and train with me. Mm -hmm. So those two things kind of were what popped into my head, and that, that's a level of commitment that that's not just, well, I show up on Sunday morning, for right. crying out loud, how much more does he want? Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Good example, good example. Anybody else? Um, to me, what always strikes me about this and has for years is when you use the word disciple or discipling, the root word is discipline. Mm -hmm. And you are, the goal is for you to discipline yourself, to change yourself into what you should be. And that's hard. Yep. Good. Good. What, um, the next thing there is, is, is in Jewish culture, disciple is more than a student. He is an exact copy of his rabbi. Um, so how are we to imitate our rabbi, Jesus, if we do not know his life pattern? But one, one, another question right there, what is the difference between a student and a disciple? 
Think for a minute. What, what, what is a student's goal? If you're, if you're in class and you're, you're, are you taking a class, what is your goal, I guess? To get, to get what you can. To pass the test, yeah. To get what you can, yeah. I, when, um, if you think about it, um, yeah, you just learn the material and, and when you, to, so you can pass the test, so you can get a grade, okay? But a disciple is, is so much more. I read um, a guy by the name of, uh, oh shoot, I can't, da- uh, David Murrow, I think is his name. Uh, he said that uh, you, when he says right here, exact copy of his rabbi, so if you became a disciple of a rabbi, then you were basically expected to be an exact copy of that rabbi. So if the rabbi was left-handed, you learned to write left-handed. If that rabbi uh, took a, uh, a pilgrimage to some place when he was 25 years old, then you took a pilgrimage to the same place when you were 25 years old. Um, you also, now something interesting is nowadays a rabbi is actually a, uh, uh, well, it's, it's a person, it's just like, like, a, like a preacher, okay? But in those days, it, they weren't, I mean, they, they, they had that position, but they weren't, when he said employed by the, uh, by the synagogue, I don't know that that meant paid because a rabbi was just, it basically means master or teacher. So, uh, and... Kind of like Paul, who obviously a missionary and preacher, but also works still as a rabbi. Right, right. And so another thing that you would do, if, if you went to be with this rabbi or wanted to be, you would learn whatever his trade was. So most of them had a trade. They were, you know, they earned their living elsewhere they just had the knowledge to, to um, uh, be in the synagogue and, and, and so would teach. Um, yeah? Was Gamal tent maker? Uh, that, that's an interesting question, and I'm going I'm to guess yes, because Paul trained under him that was Gamaliel a tent maker? Well, I don't, I mean, we don't know, but because Paul was a tent maker and Paul trained under Gamaliel, I think it's a it's a fair, certainly fair to assume. Possibility. A possi- yeah, it's a strong possibility that Gamaliel was a, was a tent maker. What? Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Gamaliel and um, there was one other one. I mean, he was like one of the... And, and another thing, when you, you talk about exact copy of a <coughs> rabbi, so take Paul, for instance. He was... Basically, if Paul said something because he had trained under Gamaliel, it was as if Gamaliel said it. So when you, when you became a, when your rabbi said, okay, you're ready, you know, go, and, and the rabbis would say, uh, go raise up more disciples. Jesus, when he said, and we'll look at this next week, but he said, go make disciples, the rabbis would say, raise up more disciples. So whenever your rabbi uh, said, okay, it's time for you to go out and be on your own. Well, he was a, uh, a again, almost a, a, an exact copy of, and, and he represented, so 
um, and you, uh, I'm trying to think, um, when is it Peter, that, no, or Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He, what, what he was saying was, don't, he said, don't imitate me. Well, not necessarily me, but me as I imitate Christ. That's my rabbi. So I'm, and, and, um, you're my Talmud, you're my disciple. Right. So, so in other words, he's saying, you know, do what I do because I followed that master thing. Thoughts, comments? whatever role they did play. They left that, that occupation or whatever it was to follow Jesus. And I think about today, you know, I, I don't ever remember not being a part of the church. And so it's not, even when I became baptized, I didn't make a lot of adjustments in my lifestyle. It was already established. But there are stories of people that were raised and programmed in a certain religion that was completely opposed to Christianity. That when they became Christian. They really had to sacrifice in order to become disciples because their family disowned them. True. You know, what you could, <coughs> you've been in the, in the missionary area, you probably witnessed that very thing. And growing up, I know that some, some people were, well, my, my family disowned me, you know, because I had changed religion and this type of thing. Now, that's discipleship. Yeah. You know, that stirred a kind of an interesting thought for me because. The actual disciples, like Peter, after Jesus was crucified, but before they knew he was raised, it was like, what do we do now? They're, they're not really being a copy of him anymore. They're just, I lost him. Well, Peter's well, I'm going fishing. Yeah. <laughs> Peter's going back to fishing. And, and so, you know, they didn't, they didn't really become those committed kinds of disciples until after the red right. Until after the red right. Good, good interesting point. I think of Paul and, and his conversion, when it happened, he was so well versed in the Old Testament. When, when he was converted, God gave him the wisdom to transition from teaching Old Testament law as opposed to now, this is what it really means. Right. This is who Christ is, the, the fulfillment of that, which he did not do prior. Mm -hmm. And that's why he became the, such, such an important uh, person in our history uh, of the scripture. Mm -hmm. no. Pat. One thing that makes me wonder, even these guys that followed Jesus for three years and did all the things that we saw up there, uh, after he was crucified, at the end of Luke, it says as he was being raised into heaven, mm -hmm. he opened the disciples' minds. Now that tells me that they had learned, they studied, and they read the Bible, but uh, they still didn't quite understand mm -hmm. all the things that he was saying. But then as he was leaving, he uh, made them like him. Right. Well, even good, good point. Along with that, to even, I think, maybe illustrate it more, is even after the resurrection and the ascension, they still didn't necessarily get it because Peter had to have a vision to go to the Gentiles. Oh, well, true. He yeah. Was still <laughs> he was still learning. 
<laughs> right. But one of the things is that they were still, they were open to that. I saw a hand. Okay. Um, I was just thinking if they are supposed to be an exact copy of them, and that means that years down the road, once they've given them the okay, they're supposed to still be copying them. It makes it make more sense than why they're so picky about who they chose, because it would be like you being represented. You want to be represented wrong. You know, you want to make sure that this person is so, you know, however many times like, I'm sure it happens. So that would be why they were so choosy. About mm. Good point. Good point. Um, it says, how did, these will help. how did Jesus describe discipleship to his followers? And if you look at, uh, if somebody read that passage in Luke, uh, Luke 14. You know, Matthew says, I mean, those are pretty harsh words. Matthew says the same thing, only, and I remember from the class I did back in this last summer, uh, Matthew said, if anyone does not basically love me more than, he doesn't use the word hate. Um, and, and something I remember is that Luke, okay, Matthew was a Jew. He grew up Jewish, knowing the language and all the, the stuff. Luke, on the other hand, was a, was a Gentile. He learned Aramaic. So what I read was interesting is that Matthew, Luke probably translated word for word what Jesus said, whereas Matthew probably wrote the sentiment, what Jesus really wanted to say. And also hate, I remember reading somewhere too, that, that hate in that uh, <clears throat> wasn't necessarily, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't hate like, like we understand hate. It just meant that there was, you, um, 
because we even re- were told you're not supposed to hate anybody. But, but it, you were, um, you, you, it just meant that you, you liked something better than that. It didn't necessarily mean that you hated it. It just meant that you liked whatever. So, so in that case, kind of thing. But still, you know, he's, he's asking for a you know, pretty serious commitment there. So he talked about three building blocks that were necessary to be a disciple. Um, can you think of any <laughs> what he said? Think about the terms he was using. One, one was that he kept saying over and over. Community. Community okay? That, so that's very important. And, and um, I don't... I don't know this for a fact because I didn't find it anywhere, but I get the idea, the very, very strong idea, and, and because of Jesus' model, that a rabbi didn't just have one disciple. A rabbi, and actually, I take that back, I did, because they, they called it a yeshiva, was the group of, what they call the group of disciples. So you're, a rabbi would always have more than one disciple. Uh, or Talmud, which was, by the way, do you know what the Arabic word for Talmud is? Talib. Plural, Taliban. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of, kind of crazy, isn't it? So they probably, yeah, they're. <laughs> um, well, talking about disciples, there was a point in time when Jesus sent the disciples out. To do what he did. Right. But then he selected the 12 from that group to become apostles. And uh, that meant a much more intense teaching level than what the disciples were receiving. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, number one is community. So you couldn't, you basically, you can't, I, I'm, I, you can't be a disciple unless you're in community. Uh, so, uh, and that's why one reason why we have the church is, is the, the community. So that because what they would do is they would sit, um, the rabbi would give them an assignment and they would go and they would sit and they would discuss all these texts and determine, you know, what, what the interpretation was or what they thought it was. And um, ultimately, if um, whether they were right or wrong, whatever the rabbi ended up saying was, that's it into discussion, you know, we're not, but, but they would sit around and they would, I, I was going to, the, uh, when he talked about the schools, um, let me give you a, so this is kind of the, the, so at the age of five, you were fit for the scripture or the Torah. So pre- pretty much around age five is when all the kids started going to what he called Beth Sefer. All right. At the age of 10, you were fit for the Mishnah. And the Mishnah was the oral Torah or the traditions. So by, by, by the time you were 10 years old, you could start uh, listening in on and, and you know, understanding the traditions. Uh, around 12 or 13, and he, remember he said that you were uh, fit to fulfill or fulfilling of the commandments. In other words, you participated, basically you participated in your very first Passover. Okay? So think about Jesus. You know, when did he, how old? He was 12 when he went to his first Passover. So he had, 
He had gone. I'm sure he went to Beth Sefer, and he probably went to Beth Beth Midrash, which was the the I guess the the next level. Um, at roughly 15, you were fit for the Tal, the Tal, Talmud, uh, which was the uh, which would allow you to start making uh, interpretations. And the the Talmud was the he said Tanakh was the entire. Uh, I think the the Talmud was just making uh, rabbinic interpretations. At 18, you were fit for the bride chamber. So at 18, you could marry. I guess you couldn't marry any sooner than that. By 20, you were uh, pursuing a vocation. And by 30, you were fit for authority. So, you know, a lot of times you've heard, uh, why did Jesus didn't start doing anything until he was 30? Because nobody would have given him, you know... Right, nobody would pay attention because he wasn't old enough. So by the time you were 30, then you were ready to, it says, uh, you're able to teach others. So that's why he would have, now we don't know, um, we don't have any knowledge of Jesus being a, um, like uh, studying under a rabbi. I mean, as far as we know, he, after Beth Midrash, I guess, he went back to, you know, work with his dad in carpentry. Um, and then at age 30, he's, but it may be that he lived under a rabbi. I don't know. I just kind of thought of that. Um, so what were, what were the, uh, there's two other things. One was community. Another word that he kept using over and over and over again that was important for a disciple. And remember he said that when they would go, they would say, go to the rabbi and say, I'd like to be, be your uh, Talmud. And the rabbi would look and to see if they had passion, passion. yeah, or, or ability. You know, th- there was like some little special thing that they were looking for. Uh, and then the third one, I don't know that he actually said that, but it's obedience. So you, you had to have community had to have passion, and obviously you had to have obedience, which because you were going to obey everything that the rabbi told you. Um, so knowing what it means for a rabbi to say, "Come, follow me, or be like me," does this, or how does this change your outlook or understanding of your role as a disciple? So remember, they the 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 students would go to the rab the Talmud would go to the rabbi and say I would like to follow you, I would like to become like you. Well, that rabbi would study them for a little while and see if they had what it took, and then he would say Come follow me. But the fact that Jesus went and you know tapped these guys on the shoulder and said Come follow me, how does that change? And and obviously he's tapped every one of us on the shoulder and said Come. How does that change? Uh, your outlook, I guess. We, didn't, we, didn't, we don't have the choice. He chooses us. Yes. Regardless of that choice, uh, we're to bear fruit because of what He has chosen. True. But what does it mean that He chose me? I should have passion. Well, I should have passion. And yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah, that I, um, 
Good. What else? There's, there's, um, there ones. Responsibility. Yeah. What, what were they to become? So when he says, come, follow me, he's saying, and he said it there, I believe you can be like me. You know, so, so he knows that we have what it takes, you know. And um, so next week we'll look at when he says go, we'll look at that a little bit uh, more in depth. Uh, but he chose us because he believes in us. Final thoughts, comments. Well, that's the end of today's podcast from our 2020 REACH Conference. I want to say thank you for taking time and listening today. If you would like more information about our church, please head on over to our website, johnsonstreetchurch.org. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you have a blessed day.